This is episode number 323, Discover Your True Potential, with Luke Tabirsky. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Ads Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one announcement being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming three-day experience in Austin, Texas on October 7th called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears. What this is, is a three-day experience where you'll get a chance to hear stories from speakers from all over the world, as well as be a part of breakout groups that are intended to help you identify your fears and ways to turn them into strengths. If you'd like to know more details regarding this particular experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, this is a much better approach that I've kind of learned is being able to record instead of giving people the countdown because uh, people freeze. You know, there's still an element of fear. I think no matter how long you have done a certain thing, and I think this is the same exact element. So I really wanted to change the format and be able to have a more authentic, more natural conversation. And that's give people the time and the space to kind of immerse themselves into the environment instead of feeling like, boom, they have to perform from this point on. It's minimizing that expectation that, okay, you have to be on now. Yes. Whereas before you hit record or before you do a three, two, one countdown, you're off. So then <laughs> are you really being your both authentic self when you're not recording and you're off or when you've done a three, two, one countdown and okay, you're live and now you're on. Yes. So what, what version of your guests initially, cause obviously everyone eases into it, but what version of your guests do you want right from the get go of when you share with your, with your audience? And I think it's a really cool uh, transition to do so well done to you. No, thank you. And, you know, the other thing that I'll mention briefly before we dive into all of this is many of the reasons why I think there is a difference between certain podcasts. I'll give you an example, like Joe Rogan and any of the shows that we host is that in his case, my assumption is that they're able to spend a significantly longer time with the guests and, and get to know them through a completely different lens versus in our case, as well as so many others a lot of these are either first-time encounters, or in this case, it's second-time encounter if we're being fully transparent. Yes. And it, it creates, I find, that an unnecessary amount of pressure on having to hit a home run for meeting the first person either for the first time or the second time in your life. Mm -hmm. And that that's where I think for me, I found that, yes, I've been able to navigate through much of this journey with this reality there's truly nothing you can do until you can change your circumstances until I can fly you here or until I'm able to fly myself there and spend the time with the guests, get to know you on a significantly deeper level. This is just the cards we are dealt and there's nothing we can do about them. And that's what I realized as far as quote unquote, a challenge that many of the podcasters podcasters face is this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you're, sitting down i've done many podcasts some very big ones some you know smaller ones and everyone in between and i've done face-to-face -face, um in someone's house i've done face-to-face -face in you know professional studios and you know i've done virtual ones like we're doing now and 
as you sort of said, like the biggest thing is, is even if you haven't met that person before, when you sit down with them and you're in front of them, then you have this connection because you are there in the flesh, so to speak. Body language comes into it, you know, and then there's this whole, we have this, we have this interhuman connection as well. Like I, I'm not going to try and describe it, but I think <laughs> anyone who understands what I'm talking about will be nodding their head going, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. When you're sitting down in front of someone, it's very different. There is a sort of an element like we can see one another now at, to different to just being on the phone and just sort of talking and listening. But really being in, in person with someone, it almost like you have that support when you realize, okay, I can see this person, I can see his body, I can see how he's sitting and, and how he's speaking, and all these face mannerisms. And like, he, you know, I feel relaxed or I feel relaxed with her or him or whatever. So I really feel like, yeah, there is a slight disconnect. But at the same time, as you said, like with not just recording podcasts, but everyday life is we can't always be thinking about oh, that perfect scenario. Yeah. We have to be at, we have to be able to stop and take a step back and, and see through a lens of clarity and a broader lens to say, okay, this is the situation I'm in. This is a scenario I've been dealt with. Here are the, the tools for lack of a better word that I have. How can I make the best out of the situation? And as I said, that's not just for recording podcasts, but that can be in any situation scenario or even outcome that's put in front of us, whether we've created that or it's been put in front of us that's been out of our control um, for everyday life as well what do you think contributes towards that approach in life in in being able to make the most out of your circumstances and not waiting for the perfect moment does the perfect moment even exist that's another question because i've been pondering that one for quite some time i think we create we can create a perfect moment in our heads mm-hmm. However, when we are approaching that moment, I think we realize, hey, there actually can be more. So to give you an example is I, I have a quote that I live by, and it's, it's only at the edge of your comfort zone where you catch a glimpse of your true potential. It's only at the edge of your comfort zone where you catch a glimpse of your true potential. So your true potential, we could use that as a, as a physical perspective, from a business perspective, from a being present perspective, or even that perfect moment, as your question was. So we can think, okay, yeah, we are capable of X. This is our upper range. This is the top of our top. But it's only when you're edging closer to that, it's only when we're approaching that perfect moment that we've created in our heads that we realize okay, yes, maybe the journey to get here was really tough and strenuous and I had to show grit and resilience. But now that I'm almost there or, or I'm there, I actually realize maybe there's X percent more. I don't want to say a, a number, but it could be like 5% more. It could be a quarter of a percent. But I think it's when you're, when you're pushing on that edge or when you're getting to this moment that is perfect or, or a new level in life or for whatever that is, you then can sort of see, well, actually, if I can get here, why can't I get just that little bit further? Why can't I make that moment a little bit more perfect? So then we go again on that cycle. Perfect segue. Couldn't have asked for a better transition into all of this. Having heard that story and having thought of the topic that you and I were going to discuss initially, and that's the fear of not being able to live up to your potential. I'm curious when did that become a reality for you? And what have you triggered that thought to begin with? When did you start to believe that, yes, this is a fear of mine, and I may not reach it, or I might? It was, was it somewhere along the lines of the marathons? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I want to go before that. So I yeah, for context for the listeners, I don't want to go too much into into my into my backstory because it'll take up uh, a lot of time. But for context, I've sort of had two lives in my you know, short lifetime. I'm 39 now. For the first 28 years of my life, I was a soccer player, a footballer, and then after then, I transitioned into ultra endurance challenges from running ultra marathons, cross continent 
2000 kilometer triathlons, swimming, you know, between countries and cycling for days on end. So all these types of things. The first time I had this fear that I wasn't going to achieve my potential was when I was about 26 or 27. So one or two years before I retired from playing football, I played lower level professional leagues around the world. And I grew up in quite an elite um, level of, of soccer in Australia, as we called it. And I got exposed to high level coaching, high level everything. And then I traveled around the world and I sort of realized, okay, this is sort of where I fit in the, in the hierarchy of professional football. And it was nowhere near the top. And I was fine with that. But I also knew the level of player I was and could be. And I like to think I set my expectations that were sort of realistic and then just slightly a notch, a notch up to really sort of test myself out. And it was when my body started to break down with injuries and I was struggling to get a sort of a long-term contract where I wasn't playing week in, week out, where I was having three months out and not being able to, you know, train on a regular basis, that there was this, there was this real realization that, okay, I'm still not old, but I'm not young at 26, 27. Maybe it's, maybe I'm not going to be able to get to that level where I feel like I could. And this is, this is when my mental health started to decline as well. And I started to battle with depression. So it was really in that moment as a, as a 26, 27 year old um, soccer player living in the UK, I'm from Australia. So living on the other side of the world with no real family or friends as a support unit, any long-term ones at least, where I feel like, where I felt like maybe I'm not going to reach my potential. Mm. I've had moments like that and I, and it's, um, it's a hard reality to accept. <clears throat> That's why I was even taking the time to pause and really think through it. You know, one thing that I realized is I'm glad that you bring up the age. Because I think there is something to it. I think when I hit 27, 28, and I started to realize how my body doesn't recover the same exact way that it used to, that things that took hours to heal are all of a sudden taking days to weeks. That was a hard, hard reality to accept. And I'm, once again, had a completely different journey that you did. But going back to your point of having that moment realization of, yes, I may not reach my full potential when it comes to performance in sports, when it comes to being able to achieve certain things, I'm finding that the only way that I've been able to kind of quote unquote work through it is to just accept the circumstances, accept the circumstances for what they were, and then do the best that I can. Moving forward. So how, what is it? What is the process? Sorry to ask you questions. Of here. course. The other way around. But okay. Like that's really easily said. Of course. This is a loaded, <laughs> this is a, this is a loaded question. It's really easily said to sort of say, accept the circumstances. Do you mm -hmm. have a process or at the, at this point in time in your life, are you aware of some sort of process that you go through to accept those circumstances to help you move forward? Well, the first thing that I had to quote unquote, accept as part of this journey is realize that a lot of my potential was based on the level of expectations I had set for myself. Mm. So that was the first part that I had to, or I, I would say I'm in the process of as well right now, letting go of is expectations, expecting certain thing to be a certain way. When through this time to this point, I'm 29. So I've had 29 years of experience where I've proved myself that 99% of the time, the reality always turns out slightly different. So letting go of the expectation and realizing that everything, i this is my belief at least, everything has a way of working out according to whatever that plan is. And that plan is oftentimes not the plan that I envision that thing being. So letting go of expectations has been a part of that process. The other part, and I'm curious to hear from you as well on, on this particular topic, when it comes to the potential component, I've always thought of myself as a high achiever. I am a very driven, goal-oriented individual. And over time, what I realized was, A, I was setting very high goals 
due to very high expectations that I ultimately wasn't achieving on a daily basis. Now, I'll give you an example. There were times where I would set a goal for myself to reach out to a thousand people, a thousand possible prospects to come and speak and share my message with. Then I started to realize that, A, there simply was not enough time in the day to even gather that data myself. Now, yes, I can use services like Fiverr and whoever else to get those, but myself, I was not able to do it. That was a hard realization. So I had to scale down on the things that I could achieve on a daily basis while still making myself believe that what I was doing is the best that I could do. Did you ever get caught in those moments where you had to scale down? I don't know if scaling down is even the right terms, but scale down on your efforts or your goals while still reassuring yourself that yes, you are goal-oriented, you are a high achiever, and you are all those things that you believed about yourself to that point. Yeah, I think it was a, a shift in how I viewed my expectations of my potential. And I don't think it was necessarily scaling things down. As I said, I, I know that wasn't probably the exact phrase that you were looking for, but I understand what you mean. But it was definitely how I viewed like that perception of, of my expectations. And to elaborate a little bit more, it's a case of your potential is something that you're, you haven't actually achieved. It's just what is possible. It's yeah. not like what you've already done. Your potential is not what you've already achieved because there's always this potential that there is more. So what I came to realize, and we can dive into how in a bit after I explain it, is that all we can really do is focus on now. And in order to be successful, right, there is this, in society these days, there is this whole thing of, okay, what does it mean to be successful? But actually, like, what is the success equation? What do you need to do to be successful? And they throw things out like hard work, yep, um, dedication, teamwork, community support, all these things. I look at that from my experience and say, well, they are not part of the formula to success because I know people and I'm one of them at different parts of my life that I could have the best support. I can have the best knowledge. I can have all the tools that I need and I can work my backside off you know, as hard as I can. But something my parents said to me when I was younger was just because you work hard doesn't mean you're going to be successful. All it does is give you a chance to be successful. So what I came to realize that in order to be successful, it wasn't that I had to work hard and have a team and be supportive and all these sort of things. That is a prerequisite for success. Yeah. If you want to be successful, that's just part of it. What true success is, is having the ability to be in the present moment to do the thing you need to do now that's going to set you up and give you a chance to be successful to accomplish your goals in the future. So it's about being disciplined and dedicated to the task you are trying to do right now. Now we can relate this to absolutely everything because if you're studying for an exam and you're thinking about the TV show that you're going to watch later, if you're having a podcast conversation and you're asking me questions and I'm thinking about what I'm going to cook for dinner, then my answer isn't, isn't going to be, I'm using sort of air quotes, is successful because I'm not actually listening to you. So for me, it was changing that, that perception of what my expectations were. That was my potential to say, hey, like, okay, like for your example, there's a thousand people you want to reach out for. You could change that to say, okay, I'm going to try and reach out to as many people as I can in this hour. In order to be successful, it means being focused for 60 minutes. In order to be successful in those 60 minutes, you need to be focused 60 times for one minute, dialing it down to one second. So this is, the, I came to realize this, that it's like, okay, yes, we can put figures and numbers out there, 
But in reality, they don't mean anything if you're being distracted in the moment that's going to stop you from reaching your potential or achieve your expectations that you set for that task. Brian uh, Rainbold, who actually introduced the two of us, he brought up a very interesting point. I had a conversation with him last week. His episode actually came out live on Wednesday. And the, the theme of the conversation we had was, what is mine to do? Very much in alignment with what you just described. Putting myself in a situation where that is the only thing that's on my mind right now, and that is what is mine to do with the current moment. Because I agree with you. I think for me, one of the other challenges when it comes to being able to reach my own potential is either I was too focused on the future or I was living too much in the past. I was either thinking about, okay, here are all the mistakes that I made and here are all the ways that I have to correct them in order to move forward or have a better possibility, or I was too focused on the future. I was too focused on here are all the things that could happen, right? Because I think part of success and, and knowing you a little bit of your story and the different things that you've been through, part of success, what I've also realized is that, well, there are many different fears, but one of those fears is the fear of putting yourself out there. I think it's a real fear for many people. Myself, I've battled with that fear until I literally put myself out there. And I found for me, based on my experience, that was the only way to overcome elements of that fear. Now, until I was able to do it, a lot of it had to do with thinking about the future. What's going to happen when I send that email? Are they going to think I'm this? Are they going to think I'm that? And really what the reality proved is that, yes, there are certain people that might have thought those things, but the greater majority did not have a single one of those thoughts that I had. So I'm curious, in your case, kind of expanding upon this quote-unquote success recipe or equation or whatever, however we want to coin this, did you ever find that to be a challenge in your life? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, being vulnerable with your truth is a superpower that no one can take from you. And it's something that I've said numerous times. It's a quote that I, that I love to, to say and read. And I really, I really believe it. And I'll, I'll say it again. Vulnerability is a superpower. No one can take from you. And it's being your honest self in that moment, so to speak. And then can we connect to those moments to be our, our true authentic self over a long period of time, whether that being an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, all periods of our life. So I've been faced numerous times where I had to look in my mirror, uh, literally and metaphorically, <laughs> and sort of say, okay, like which version of yourself are you going to show today? And I think we've all at some stage done that. And for me, it was when I started to speak about my mental health struggles, uh, I battled with depression, uh, insomnia, binge eating, um, stood on tops of bridges several times, not wanting to live anymore, wanted to commit suicide. And this was over all in all, I, I struggled for about 10 years and I didn't speak about it for about seven or eight and it nearly cost me my life. And I've done a, a hell of a lot of work to get to this point to openly talk about it. And I also shared my story very openly and honestly for the first time in, in my book, Chasing Extreme as well. So my story is out there. So I, I talk about it very freely now, but it was a case where I have never been so vulnerable with my truth of, of what I lived through. I wasn't able to find that internal strength in the moment. And I, and I, and I want to explain that in a second. But over time, I was able and I started to share it. And as you said, like it's sending that email, you're thinking about the future. What is this person going to think? Okay. And for me, it was a case of I feared that I was this, I was this guy who my life now is more about, you know, speaking about these big challenges that I've done. So I ran down Mount Everest across the Sahara Desert, swam between countries, cross-continental triathlons, all these crazy, big, insane things, had documentaries made about them. You know, it, my life has been fantastic. But while I was doing all of this, my mental health was, you know, at the bottom of the pit. You know, depression, unable to leave the house at times, binge eating to make myself feel good about myself, not sleeping at all some nights, all of these things. So 
I was really looking at myself going, I can't live like this forever. So I feared talking about my mental health because here on the outside, I'm this guy who travels around the world doing these big challenges. So I feared what others would think because I think, well, he can't really be that bad because he's doing all these other things. He just wants attention. I don't believe him. So I feared coming out and, and sharing what I was going through from a mental health perspective because of those reasons. Now, how I found the internal strength to speak up about what I was going through is something that we all can look at if we are struggling to be vulnerable with our truth on a daily basis. And that's, you've got three options. To share your truth, to, to help you share your truth, you can either do it yourself. You can sort of say, right, let's do this and get help from someone that you know. So someone in your community that you already know, you can, that can help you. Maybe a business partner, a, a, a life partner or whatever. So helping you to, to, to sort of come out and share what you're going through. You can have that help with them on yourself, with yourself. Or you can get help from a stranger. Maybe it's a coach. You can reach out to someone who doesn't know you initially to get some help, a therapist or you know, maybe new investors that doesn't know your complete story. So you can drip feed them your story because you're not quite ready to be open about, you know, like I really suck at marketing, but I'm going to pretend I know what I'm talking about to these investors. So I can translate it in all things. And then the third thing is you do nothing. You do nothing. But in reality is, is that going to open you up and help you be vulnerable with your truth? Probably not. So you either Take a stand for yourself and say, hey, let's, let's start being honest and open with ourselves and to others with the help of someone who knows you, knows your story, knows you inside out. You can then read or you can reach out to someone who doesn't know you, know your true story, and you can drip feed them that content of who you are and share with them over time. But initially, you're reaching out for their help or you do nothing and hope for the best. What influenced you to change the, chase the extremes? in life they, they change over time mm. uh, they change over time do you still I do think, it yeah i like the big ultra endurance things mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. i love swimming cycling and running and sometimes i combine them <laughs> sometimes i do them by themselves and i'm at a point now where if someone says like do you still do these big extreme challenges and i said yes and they were, why do you do them i was like because i love to swim cycle and run and I have a, a, a fitness level mm. now because I've been in, I, I, I use this word, meaningful, meaningfully. I'm an athlete because I do train most days. And I love to swim, cycle and run. And it's just the fact that my fitness level allows me to do this for, you know, I can go out and swim for an hour or 90 minutes. I can go and cycle for five or six hours. Not every day, you know, on the weekends, every other weekend. My body allows me to do that. And I found that, okay, when I was a 27, 28 year old footballer, my body kept breaking down. As you said, you realize, hey, like my body's not recovering this well. What I found trans transitioning into endurance sports where it's not about going as fast as you can. It's about finding a steady pace and just keep going. I never got injured. Never got injured for years and years when I started doing these endurance sports. So it was like, okay, just because you can't do something one way doesn't mean you can't do it at all. You just have to shift your expectations to go back to what we talk about. It's like, okay, I'm not trying to go the fastest now, but what about if I can just go far for me? So I've shifted that with my endurance challenges that I do now. Whereas years ago, I had this identity crisis where I wasn't a soccer player anymore. My mental health was, you know, pretty bad as i mentioned so it was almost like i was addicted to these endurance sports that that was my crutch i would lean on that to make me feel good about myself while i was out there swimming cycling running all day so it was sort of like a you know self self-fulfilling drug that i was just taking whenever i could and when i wasn't i felt flat so i used you know binge eating and things like that to make me feel good about myself or watching 
you know, movies all night long and not sleeping, which didn't help my insomnia. So I found other things to make me make myself feel good about myself. So yeah, I, I still do these big challenges, but my relationship to them and my expectations of why I'm doing it and, and during these things have changed. And as much as they can be, they are as healthy as they, as they can be. Really. I think that's a beautiful metaphor as, as well, as far as what you just shared, kind of going back to our earlier point, as far as what contributed to having that realization about potential. And that's when I was younger, and I don't know if you can relate to this as well, or anyone that's going to be listening. And that's, I was so focused on getting there fast. I was very much like, what is the quickest way I could get to this step? Over time, what I'm realizing is, especially as I age and, and gain this wisdom from a variety of people, is that it, that's really not the point in most situations. Sure, there are certain times where you have to get there in a specific time to meet certain deadlines, but most of the process really becomes about finding your own pace and following that pace from one day to the next. That's what I found. Yeah, I agree. And I had a, straight away when you said that, I was thinking, oh, I don't think I really have. And then it, it dawned on me, 100%. I was 18, 18 or 19. I can't remember. Yeah, that was like 20 years ago. <laughs> and I was playing at the basically the highest level of youth soccer in the country. So under 20 levels. And I had an opportunity to drop down a level, but play for the first team. So I'm playing yeah, 18, 19, playing with men in their late 20s, the early 30s, in a, you know, basically the second highest league in the country. And you know, I was very young and still developing. And I guess you could call it ego slash I want to go f- fast i want to do it fast i want to get there as quick as i can i want to play first team soccer i want to sign this professional contract i want to set myself up to be like you know 18 19 playing at this league and if i do that for a couple of years then i'm going to go here then i'm going to i'm going to do it now and i remember i played the first three games or something like this and i played fine i didn't play amazing but i didn't play bad and i got dropped to the bench and I thought, well, you know, that's, that's okay. It's still early on in the season. And I sat on the bench for most of that year. Then they didn't renew my contract. And then I was like, well, hang on. But during that whole season when I'm sitting on the bench, all of my friends who I was playing with the year before, who still were playing in the under-20 competition, still eligible, which I was still eligible because I was still only 18, 19, they were playing 90 minutes every week. They were playing matches every week. I went for like four months where I didn't play more than 15 minutes on a weekend. So in order for me, and I really felt like at that time, it inhibited my progression because I just was like, I want to go to the top as quick as I could. Where in reality, I was still learning the trade, learning the craft, learning how to use the tools I had and understanding the tools that I didn't have. But hey, I had this opportunity to go and sit at the big boy table. I'm going to take it. And for a second, for a glimpse, it was great. But in reality, like a lot of people, some people can jump straight onto the top table and work out. But for the majority of us, it's going to be a learning curve, but one maybe that we didn't need to take right then. Whereas for me, I could have been playing week in, week out and developed better. Or for other people, learning the craft of their trade a little bit more. So definitely I have been there where it's like, I want to go fast, want to go now, and I want it done yesterday. And that's exactly what I realized as I even think about my own set of circumstances, having to, once again, reframe the term scale down, but more so learn how to go at a more gradual pace and give myself enough experience and belief that at the end of the day, this approach will still get me to whatever it is that I'm striving for. Because that that was a hard realization that I had to face just within my own life. And that's 
because I was so focused on getting there the fastest way possible, A, I ended up missing the entire part about the journey. And so it became very much destination focused. And as you mentioned before, once you get to the destination, there's always going to be the next one. And there's always going to be the next one and the next one and the next one. There's always, there's always going to be a higher or a different mountain to climb. So once I realized that and I realized that, okay, it's more about the gradual process. And I think it was um, it's a podcast I listened to five or six years ago, Tim Ferriss and some other guests. And the guests had asked Tim a question and he said, how many things do you try and accomplish on a daily basis? And Tim literally just said three. I focus on three things. And obviously at the time it made no sense to me because my to-do list had 20 different things on there. (laughs) So there, there was no way I was able to relate. But years later, I remember thinking back about that conversation and thinking to myself that if I have an honest look in the mirror, as you mentioned, and I, and I ask myself, was I able to accomplish all of those 20 things? The answer 99% of the time is no. But if I ask myself, was I able to accomplish three things? 99% of the time, the answer is yes. So it's just really interesting having that mindset shift and having to rethink about the approach that I take on a daily basis. And, I, and the question that I have there, because this is one that I've been curious about as well, and I don't know if you have, and that is what ultimately creates that space? What ultimately creates that perspective? Not necessarily one thing, but maybe there's a combination of things. What allows for that perspective to come into our lives at the later stages within our journey? I think the easy answer is experience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) However, I like to think there's, um, there's two things that are coming to mind initially, and obviously there are a lot more, but initially it's not comparing yourself to others because see, I'm going to go sideways to go forward. We're all born and you can completely relate to this. I know this because I know I, I have read, I know your story is we are all born and we grow up like in our initial years with a different baseline in comparison to everyone else. And that baseline could be location, um, financial, um, love, support, community, all these things. Everyone's baseline is different. Even genetics from a fitness level, right? connections in the business world we are all born into having a different baseline we are all born from a physical perspective height you know all these type of things with a different baseline and when i sort of started thinking in this way many years ago when i was studying exercise physiology i went this is across the board this is not just from our bodies this is everything So when we realize, okay, if I'm comparing myself today to someone else today, like our journeys are completely different. Even if they're a competing startup, right? We are both second years. We are both trying to get another series of funding. We are both in the same city. We're 100% competitors. But the thing is, is you're not because everyone's baseline in your team your baseline the company's baseline to where it started is different to the one down the road so when we realize this concept and i use the word baseline in a meaningful way to try and help people remember this point is that you're never going up you're never in a in a a fair competition because everyone's baseline is different now it's not an excuse it's not something to say well that's the reason why they're successful Okay, that's judgment. And that's one of the first things you need to get rid of. Okay, be curious. How did they get there? That is different to saying, oh, the only reason they got there was because their baseline was higher. Be curious, not judgmental. Learn from them. Understand from them. Can they help them? Can you help them? Be curious, but not judgmental. So understanding that, no matter what it is in life, you are never in a competition with anyone else except for yourself. 
whether that's you personally, whether that's you as a team, whether that's you as, as an organization, because everyone starts with different baselines. Now, the real success, for lack of a better word, is, okay, if we started at baseline, let's use numbers so we can visualize and, and understand it. If we started at baseline 1.5, yeah, and we're trying to go as high a number as we can, and if we started at 1.5 and in five years we went to level seven, right? That's progress. That's really good. That's fantastic. Then we've got something to sort of build from. But we have to understand that where we start isn't comparable to anyone else because of these baselines. So that was the first thing that I realized, wow, like I don't need to compare myself to anyone else because... I am me and I started with what I had and I built it from that. So, and uh, yeah, and the second one is, as I mentioned within that is to not be judgmental and stay mm -hmm. curious mm -hmm. without judgment. I realized a similar thing within my own journey. Once I was able to let go of the judgment of other people and rather ask myself similar questions that you did. And that's putting myself in that situation where I could be more curious about other people and surroundings it seems to actually open up much more opportunities. If anything, it helped me open doors to things that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I like to look at is everyone's looking through the world, their world, looking at themselves through the mirror, looking at mm -hmm. other people through their own specific lens. So it's like um, sunglasses or reading or just glasses that you put on your face. Everyone's is different. So it's like you're trying to see the same situation, scenario, outcome through your prescription glasses that are made only for you. So if someone else puts them on, it's all blurry. It doesn't make any sense. So if you're trying, if you're, if you see someone saying something that you don't agree with, like it's, it's not about being judge, judgmental and saying they're right or wrong or you're right or you're wrong. As I said, it's these curious pieces. Understand that, okay, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I want, I want to understand what you're seeing through your lens. Can you explain it to me? Now, you might have this conversation and go back and forth, and you might come to a point where it's like, okay, now I understand where you're coming from. Now I understand the lens that you're viewing this situation from. I don't agree with it and that's okay. We don't have to agree with what everyone thinks, but I understand where you're coming from. Let's agree to disagree. And although people say it's a cliche, it's only a cliche if it's not true, if it's not meaningful, but it is like, I agree to disagree. We're all humans. We all have things different, you know, in our lives, we'll see things different. So it's understanding that everyone views the world through these different lenses that, and it's okay, but it, you know, we don't have to judge people, but understand where they're coming from. And the sort of side thing to this as well is from a personal perspective and as an, in, as an individual, it's okay to have one leg on, on either side of the fence. I understand what they're saying and I actually agree with them. But at the same time, the polar opposite thing, I sort of feel like there's elements there that are true and I believe in as well. You don't have to be black or white. You don't have to be left or right. You can be a little bit in between, but do that because that's what you truly believe. That's what you truly value. And that's what you truly live on a daily basis as well. And that I think is a great summary as far as what we just discussed and when it comes to recognizing that one's potential. And that's understanding that at the end of the day, it's all a series of choices that I'm making or majority. And so I get to choose how I look at other people. I get to choose and what I choose to take from their journeys and how I implement them within mine. That's where I think comparison for me, I think there's a healthy component to that. And that's not necessarily comparing myself to the individual and saying, how do I get to this point? Or I can't believe they got here through X, Y, and Z ways but more so just as you described, learning from their journey. They got there, how do they do it? Now, I think there's also a critical thing to understand within that. And that's 
just because you were able to take X, Y, and Z steps to get there, those may not be the same steps that I'm going to have to take in order to get to the same destination. So I think that's where there is a healthy portion of judgment or, or decision-making comes in and understanding that, okay, I have my own version of potential. It's influenced by a variety of other things. And I may not get to the same exact thing following the same set of steps. That was a huge thing that I had to face within my own journey because when I was first starting a lot of this five or six years ago, I had noticed that my lens or my worldview was very much based on the five to six steps to success. And I realized after a while that that may not apply to me. <laughs> my version might take a thousand. Exactly, exactly. And I think for a lot of people who are trying to accomplish whatever it is, they get stuck. But I get stuck. I'm the same way. It's okay. So what do you do when you feel like you've taken yourself as far as you can? What do you do? Okay, well, um, maybe gain more knowledge, maybe make more connections, maybe learn how other people have achieved something similar or the same thing that you're achieving. So if you are sort of taken everything that you've tried to take forward and you've hit a roadblock and you can't go further and you look at someone who's done something similar, or even the same thing and you go, okay, well, how did you do it? Oh, here's these three steps. If you are stuck, there is a starting point. Okay. I'm going to make a call. Okay. I'm going to try that second step that they tried. I reckon that's probably the best next step for me. If that works, great. That step, you might start to take and realize, well, hang on, I have to pivot and go left or right here. So it's not sort of saying I've done everything. I've thrown my hands in the air. I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's okay. Okay. I've taken myself as far as I can go right now. So let's look externally and see what others have done, how they've done it and use the path that they've created as almost like a launch pad to then either, okay, yeah, I'm moving forward with this or this has got me going again, but now I'm going to pivot off this way because of whatever reason. So I don't think it's a bad thing to sort of follow what others have done, knowing at the same time as you've also got to take those blinkers off and be aware of your peripherals to say, okay, we're moving forward, but I've got to make sure that if there's a different path or a different direction that I need to use some of my resources or, or, or my energy or my time finances, then we, we, we've got to get off this path of following what everyone else is doing or what someone else is doing and move in that direction as well. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to follow what someone else has done, but you've also got to realize that, Hey, this is your journey. And if you see a better option in that moment and you know, you have that gut feeling and you, and you do a couple of sort of risk assessments for lack of a better phrase, then go off in a different direction and create your own path. So I think it's that combination of, you know, yes, you want to live your life and achieve the things that you want to achieve. But if you do get stuck, it's okay to sort of use someone else's journey, path, knowledge, experience as a way to help you become unstuck or continue your progress forward. And that to me is one of the ultimate truths that I've discovered is the fact that everyone truly has a unique and a different journey. No matter how much I'm going to try and mimic the different things that you've accomplished or done in your life, the journey that I'm going to take to those things is going to be different. It's just a fact. Even if you and I try and complete a simple task, try and get to a train station or request a ride or whatever it is, right? It's going to involve a different series of events. And part of it goes back to your exact point that you made earlier, and that's being flexible enough to recognize the decisions that you have to take along the journey in order to get to where you go. And then that's something that I've had to do throughout my own, my own life is understanding that, yes, I'm open enough to receiving other people's feedback, but at the same time, I also have to be aware enough that feedback is just feedback. Opinions are everywhere. If you choose to look at it that way, that's how I'm looking at it. So I try and approach everything through a with a grain of salt. Everything that's said here, everything that plenty of other people have told me, I still have to make sense of all of those circumstances and how they fit into the puzzle that I'm trying to create. And I think another element to that is understanding your values, whether that's from a corporate yes. perspective, a personal perspective. And 
you can have all the advice in the world from your next door neighbor to the what society or who society deems as the leading expert of a something that you you want to progress in so you can talk to your next door neighbor who knows nothing about it but has an opinion or you can talk to the the world expert in whatever it is yeah but at the same time is you have to choose either one of their you know um pieces of advice or not or somewhere in between Mm -hmm. and it's ultimately comes down to what your values are Mm -hmm. in order to help you progress so if you're if you're still stuck with well what do you mean what are your values like what are the things you live by on a daily basis that are sort of like a, a no like no negotiation this is how i live my life and like your truth your truth, your life philosophy, your personal philosophy, whatever it is. And there's a great exercise that I did um, many years ago. I heard it on a podcast, Coach Pete Carroll from the Seattle Seahawks. He, uh, the first time I heard about this was many years ago. And he talks about it where it's, I think he calls it a personal philosophy. And it's like a, a guiding light, a guiding set of principles, a paragraph, a phrase or words that you live by. And this exercise was, can you get that down to 20 words or less? Now, this is something that you live by every single day, that you apply to everything that you do, that is non-negotiable. So whether you get advice from your next door neighbor or the world leading person in whatever topic it is, if neither of those align with your personal philosophy, with your values, then you don't take that advice. You, you store mm. it in the back of your mind because maybe it's relevant later down the track. You don't just completely disregard it. You, you bank it. But you've got to know what that personal philosophy is. And 20 words or less, when I first did this exercise, I was like, 20 words, that's a lot. Like, I can get how I'm going to live. Anyway, three pages later, (laughs) I'm like, okay, Coach Carol, he's on to something here. So over time, over must have been like a month or so, I can't remember, it was a long time ago. I got it down. And it changes over time. It can evolve because we evolve. I heard a quote several years ago where it was if, and and I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm I'm going to get it (laughs) wrong. It was something on the lines of if you view your life in the world the same way as a 40 year old person, if you view your life in the world the same way as a 20 year old, you've wasted the last 20 years. So we evolve over time. So should your values. So should your life philosophy. So I don't even remember what my first one was when I got it down to, I think it was 24 words. I couldn't break 20. And now what my life philosophy is, it's stuck in my office. It's stuck all around the house over here and everything. It's build relationships, learn daily, teach others what life has taught me. That is why I live by that is what gets me out of bed every morning. And that is what helps me make a decision to how I spend my time, my effort, my energy, my money on. Is it, am I going to build relationships with this thing that's been put in front of me? Is it going to give me an opportunity to learn? Or can I learn from this opportunity? Can I learn from this moment in time? Can I learn from this moment in the day? And then how on a daily basis, on a weekly basis throughout my life, can I teach others what life has taught me? That is my life philosophy right now today. And that is what I live by. And that helps me make decisions every single day. What is the correlation between your life philosophy then and the goals that you set for your life? So I'm I'm assuming you're goal oriented. Yeah, of course. Fair to assume. Okay. So you set a goal and then you try and define the different steps you can take to get to that thing how does the life where does the life philosophy component fit into that goal portion of it yeah so the life philosophy takes up the majority of how i achieve that goal on a daily basis so we all have a limited amount of time each day energy and for 99.9 percent of us finances (laughs) yes okay yes it's all limited (laughs) people's baselines are different some Mm -hmm. people think oh 
you know, I don't have a lot of money, but to someone else, it's like, what are you talking about? That is a hell of a lot of money. So our, our perception of our baseline is different. However, the concepts are the same time, energy, and money are all limited. So how I spend my time, my energy, and my money each day to help me achieve my life goals is largely not a hundred percent of the time, but largely um, determined by today, what am I going to do with my time and how am I going to spend my money and where am I going to use my energy that's going to help me achieve my goals? Okay, maybe I'm really tired one day because I've had a really big week and it's like, you know what? Friday night, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch the movie and treat myself because I've worked really hard and just relax. Now, people might say, well, is that building relationships? No, is that you know, living the rest of your life philosophy? Is it, is it learning something? If it's just you know, something random to just try and switch my brain off? No. You know, am I going to teach people? No, I'm not. As I said, it's not every second of every day, but I needed to recharge and I acknowledge that. So it's like, okay. However, if it's a Tuesday afternoon and I'm cruising along and someone calls me and says, hey, like, do you want to go and and, you know, go for a swim or something. I'm like, well, I've already trained today. I've got a keynote presentation I've got to deliver tomorrow. You know, I can't do it because me going to connect with you today is not quite going to help me achieve my life goals and, and help me, you know, be ready for tomorrow's work commitment. So there is this whole shift moving forward, moving back, moving sideways. So it's that life philosophy drills into how I, how I use my limited time, energy, and money and I've got a guide to help me for when I say yes to things or no to things or to help me refocus and stay on track. Mm. Luke, where can people find out more about who you are? What are the different events that you're going to be a part of? I'm assuming some are going to be virtual and in person, just in case anyone is listening and they're going to be in the area. Yeah, at the moment. So I'm in London, I'm in the mm-hmm. UK, and there aren't a huge amount of events coming up. Um, I'm, I'm doing a fair amount of corporate stuff, but unless you can sneak into someone's corporate offices, um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that to come and see me, but you can come and find me at luketyberski.com. That's T-Y-B-U-R-S-K-I.com. I have my own podcast there. I've got a couple of documentaries. I've got a book. And if you have any questions about anything that I've said today, do reach out to me on the website or I'm at Luke Tyberski on social media and, uh, yeah, so whenever I have events where the public can come and see me speak, I always promote it on, on social media. I do a lot of commentary at races, at running races and triathlons. So, you know, if you're in the UK and you're doing some running races or triathlons, you may just hear me on the microphone as well. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for this time and thank you for everything that you've shared. Obviously, there's much more about your journey that we didn't get a chance to dive into now, although we did during our prior conversation. So for anyone that's interested, please check out Luke's website and you'll be able to find probably majority of what you've been through to this point, right? Yeah, 100%. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next time.